Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message from our guest speaker. Well, really glad to be with you uh, uh, this morning. And uh, as Josue said, I, I'm coming to you from Horizon College, um, where Josue and, uh, and Tyrone as well, if you know Tyrone. Um, we all know Tyrone because of the hair, right? But uh, uh, they're, they're both studying, and, uh, and the plan is to graduate this year, and so we've been uh, journeying together for some time, and I usually am seeing these guys on the other end of a screen, so it's nice to be here in the flesh with you. Uh, just quickly, a, a little bit about, uh, about Horizon. You might not have a clue what that is. We're a, we're a college based in Saskatoon, but obviously we do a lot of uh, streaming and online. Hey, we were doing that even before COVID, so uh, we've, we've only got better since, since COVID. Maybe that's one of the few things we can say that COVID's made better, but, uh, but uh, just, just a quick snapshot of us. Uh, if you're on site here, I do have a booth out there. We welcome you to come. Please take stuff off the booth. It's a phenomenon. Bigger churches, people seem shy to go take stuff from the church. Small churches, people take it. So you'd think you'd, you'd give away more stuff in a bigger church, but it's the opposite. So please take stuff, because I don't want to take it back to Saskatoon. And uh, just, uh, just a quick snapshot, so we, we do both, we're a Christian uh, higher education institute, we're an affiliate of the University of Saskatchewan uh, as well, um, but we, we offer both undergraduate and uh, seminary, and, uh, and there's lots of different things. Uh, we have everything from a one-year one undergraduate certificate, so certificate-like, we have a global uh, a global leadership or global discipleship uh, certificate that lets you do some studies on site and spend some time uh, over in Thailand. We're hoping that that's going to happen here with COVID restrictions, uh, right up to undergraduate degrees. We also partner with different institutions. And so, uh, so we, we let uh, help you to blend programming. So if you wanted to do something, say, like a Red River College uh, or University of Manitoba, Winnipeg, we, we, have, we have partnerships in Saskatchewan with places like Saskatchewan Polytechnic uh, or um, the University of Saskatchewan, Edwards School of Business, things like that. So you can blend your diploma or certificate. If you've already got a certificate or diploma, you can actually use that toward degree. You could finish with a degree in a couple of years uh, and come out with, with some, something that blends and lets you do work in the church or outside of the church with some of that Christian world uh, view formation. So I encourage you to check that out. We have a lot of kind of unique things. Um, we're not sort of your, your typical kind of Bible college. We really blend some things. We also have seminary. Uh, for master's degrees, so we have uh, leadership, Christian leadership, we have counseling uh, as well. You can do these things online, uh, live streaming. Uh, and for women, uh, our seminary, uh, two years ago we launched a women's cohort for, for people to do their, their seminary, their master's degree. And so this is coming up to the end, this, this two year, two year is your typical amount of time if you're going full time for seminary, most people go part time. Uh, but we have a group of 15, 20 women who have been traveling together, kind of doing their masters together, doing a lot of the courses together. They're on-site or, or online. So you kind of, they have this cohort group, and we're launching another women's cohort in, in September. So as for women in leadership, it's not, 
not uh, for church leadership exclusively, it's for all kinds of women in there who are social workers, educators, as well as people working in the church. Uh, so for both men and women, we have those options available. Lots of kind of exciting things. We're, we're, we're different from, uh, from kind of your, your standard uh, theological college. And uh, so I invite you to check us out. Check us out online, uh, horizon.edu. Visit me at the booth. And, uh, and that's it for my, for my little plug and commercial. But uh, do, do check us out. So um, my name is Jeremy Martini. Um, I've, you'll see up on this... Uh, on this slide in the top, in the top there, that's my family. So you get to know me. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that looks like me. And uh, uh, I have I have one wife. I have one daughter. I have one son, and I have one dog slash cat. So combining the two, I have a small dog. Those of you with small dogs know what I'm talking about because the dog alternates in its personality between being a lazy cat and, uh, and being a small dog uh, that only comes alive when a large dog comes around. And the larger the dog, I don't know what goes on in my dog's brain, but uh, it, I think it has a high degree of self-confidence. Perhaps it has, its body image is like it is the Arnold Schwarzenegger of dogs. And the bigger the dog that comes along, the more big my dog perceives itself to be. And I don't know why it hasn't been eaten, but anyway, uh, he, that's how he is. Uh, so so we're, in Sa- we're from Saskatoon. Um, I'm from Alberta originally. And I say that because I want you to know I do not cheer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. All right? I, so I'm allowed to speak here. I won't say who I do, do cheer for, but, uh, but anyway, I'm... I'm not, I'm not here representing the Rough Riders, and that should at least give me a little bit of uh, welcome here with you, with you this morning. Uh, what I want to share with you this morning, actually my son, what something he's doing is kind of influencing how we're structuring this this morning. So he's in grade 11, and he's in this, uh, this program. Um, at, the high schools in Saskatoon have different, different programs. So he got into this, uh, this program uh, that's uh, doing media studies, and so he's actually... Like, I don't get this, sort of. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. But he actually gets to go to school and earn credits for, like, watching movies. And, uh, which sounds like a good deal, right? So, so it's kind of affected our family, too, because it's interesting. You know, we all, we all like movies, right? Uh, so, and, and so he's got this thing where they, they study movies. And suddenly now you're watching movies with different eyes. Because now we're, now we're using all this different language. We're, we're looking for... It's like, oh, and... I mean, you know, these different services, you'd think I would look this up, but I still can't remember. Anyway, there's different, like, focus things, right? So it's like, oh, wow, they're, they're using the, I don't know, someone know better than me, blank focus. You know, it's focused in the foreground, and then it shifts in the background. Oh, the director's doing this and that. So anyway, obviously, I'm not a very good student because I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm aware now, when I'm watching a movie, these different, the way they've set up a shot, or the way that the camera's angled, or the way it's shifting, and all these kinds of things. And, and, and so we're watching film, and he's doing all this stuff. Um, and what I like about it, what, what, I've kinda, what it intersects with some of the stuff I'm interested in, is this focus on, on story. And so, so screen, so he used to do like screenplays and all these kinds of things. And, and scripts, and, and so the thing that, uh, that sticks out to me is, is how, how, story, how the stories move across films, and we're all aware of it, um, but what, what interests me is, 
I'm interested really also in how the brain works and how the brain processes information. And, and neuroscience, everything from neuroscience to philosophy to theology, they're all kind of saying the same thing right now, that as human beings, our brain, we are designed to process reality in the form of story. So it's not just that stories, um, uh, th that we create stories, but we actually interpret the world as story. We, this, this is how we make sense of, of the world around us, all of the data points that are coming at us. We, we create narrative structure, and there's some common narrative structures that, uh, that we're familiar with. So this will take you back to high school. Do you remember this? For some of you, that wasn't that long ago, maybe. But you, you kind of remember this. You kind of have the, the way the story goes up and that little mountaintop thing. And you kind of divide into the, the, the three-act kind of story. Not, not all stories are three-act, but this is a common one. Aristotle came up with this three or, or talked about this three-act kind of system over 2,000 years ago. So this isn't a new thing. But you kind of have act one where you kind of set the stage of things is what's going to happen. And the, the hero, the main character, the protagonist is going to go on this journey and, and stuff's going to happen, right? So the, the first act is kind of setting the scene and, and, and the, setting up the conflict. And then act two, you know, everything kind of escalates and, and gets worse. And, and, and what's going to happen? Oh, no. And, and then the final act is when everything comes to a head and then there's a resolution. And if it's a comedy, which, is, which isn't to say necessarily funny, but a, a comedy in the sense that it's going to have a happy ending uh, for the hero, then you know, things work out well. Or if it's a tragedy, then things go poorly. You know, and it, it can go either way. And we, and we see this in all of our you know, Star Wars, uh, you know, the, the, the Lord of the Rings, the Wizard of Oz, you know, you set it up, the, there's Dorothy at home in Kansas, and then her act two, you know, we're going along the yellow brick road, and then act three, we meet the wizard and find out, oh no, the wizard's not real, sorry, spoiler, uh, but it's old enough, you probably know it, uh, and then, you know, everything resolves, and so we, we have this structure. Well, this is how we see reality, and when I thought about how God talks to us, and how God talks to me, I could kind of map my own experience onto this story, and I could see how this worked out. And I was thinking, even in recent days, um, how God has been speaking to me, and, and, and through me even to, as I get to do things like this and speak to people, how God is speaking to His church. And so, so I'm going to share with you this morning about, about the kind of the story that God has been, has been laying out for me. And, and the story for me, my story starts in, in 1 BC, that is one year before COVID. So this is, this is my new thing. We're going we're gonna to make this the, it's going to go viral. I want it to start here. All right, so 1 BC, one year before COVID, uh, I was in Manitoba and I was in you know these sacred spaces, God meets people on the mountain or God meets people in these, these holy sacred spaces. Well, I was in a sacred space. It was the parking lot of Ikea. So here I am in the Ikea parking lot because we don't have Ikea in Saskatchewan. So, you know, we went to the blessed for the hot dogs and the meatballs. So, so there I am in, in the Ikea parking lot. And, and I was in Winnipeg because I was speaking at a, at a, a leader's conference for pastors, so ministry leaders. And I was there. My job was to kind of speak to these leaders and encourage them and give them some tools and refresh them to go out and do the work that they're doing. Uh, 
And that's the context I was in. I was in, I was at Ikea because the conference didn't start till later that night, and you know, I needed something to do, so I went to Ikea. And, uh, and, and I was there, and it was at a time, this, this period of time, uh, 1 BC, was I, was I was kind of in this, a bit of an existential crisis. I was going, I was wrestling at that time. I wasn't wrestling with my faith, like I wasn't like, uh, I don't believe God or something like that, but I was really wrestling with the challenges that our faith as Christians was facing by the world. It was just seemed that everything in the world, all the media reports, the everything that came to me through social media and blogs and, and posts and, and things like that, everything that was coming my way and in the news was antagonistic toward Christianity. It really was looking at Christianity in a way that was demeaning. We, we were just the worst things that ever existed. And, and I was wrestling with this and thinking about my kids and how hostile the world is um, to, to the faith and the values that I'm trying to instill in my kids and, and how hostile it is to the students that I'm teaching. And, and I'm in this parking lot and I'm, I'm kind of meditating on these pleasant thoughts and, and I get a phone call. And, uh, and the phone call came from someone who was really close to me, someone I love dearly. And the phone call conversation went something like this. Uh, I'm done with church. I'm done with Christians. Christians are stupid and evil and bad. I guess I, I still believe in God, but everything else is, is done. And so this, this close, close person to me had, you know, sort of going on this path, as they call it, deconstructing his faith, and he's going to walk away from all this stuff. And, and so I take that in, and then that night I got to go and you know, speak to these pastors and leaders and tell them how, how wonderful and important their job is. And, and it really wrestled. To me, it was a turning point. And, I, and I, I struggled with it. And I thought, like, I'm looking at my kids. I'm going, how am I going to send you out into this world? And I look at our students who are going to go out and be leaders. And I think, like, man, this is a hostile environment. This is really hostile. I, I don't know how to prepare you to go out into this. Like it was a struggle. And, and so I wrestled with this. And, and as God often does with me when he responds to me, he, he often just gives me a scripture. And my, my study is I did, I did doctoral studies in, uh, in New Testament. And so maybe that's why God does it this way with me. But he'll just drop in a scripture with no explanation, and it's like, okay, now you go figure out what that means. Here's the verse, now you go do the work. I do that to my students too, so I think that's good. It's, it's a good practice. But anyway, so God gave me this scripture. And so I set up my, my first act here, that if, we, if I'm going to have a three-act narrative. The first act was setting the scene, and this is kind of where I'm at. And the scripture he gave me was John 16, 33. And, and so that says, I have, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, or tribulation in some translations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So I got this verse came to me, and it was like a starting point. And so then I, I, I dived into kind of the, what does this mean? Now, of course, I've read this before. I've been through this passage before, but I've never really kind of done a deep dive. And, and I spent the next weeks and months really digging into this. What does this mean? And I found this one of the most enriching passages um, in, in the Bible. 
uh, and just dwelling on it. And it comes from, it's part of a big speech that Jesus is giving. So if you've got a red letter Bible, uh, you'll see that Jesus starts talking in John 13 and he stops talking at the end of John 17, like five chapters, There's only 21 chapters in John and five of them is Jesus talking for one night. So if you were thinking that you're getting out of here for lunch, I'm just going to follow Jesus, and we're just going to go and go and go. No, um, I'm not Jesus, so I, I won't do that to you. But anyway, Jesus has this, this long speech, and, and he kind of starts it out, and he's assembling. It's the night that he's leaving, right before he's going to be crucified, and he, he's giving his kind of final instructions to his disciples before he goes. This is, I, I'm leaving, he says. You can't come with me where I'm going. Um, but basically, here's, here's kind of my, my last instructions before I go. And, and he unpacks that. And throughout, throughout this whole five chapters, he, he communicates them to a few things. So this is for you guys. You guys get like double the blessing because you're going to get two sermons in one. Because this is like the summary sermon here that could be a standalone one, but you're just going to get it in like three minutes. So, so what I look at in this, in this passage is kind of as I, as I dwelt on this and studied it, uh, kind of three, three uh, things came out of, out of it. And so the first is, is Jesus is, is saying, um, what I recognized here is that G, for Jesus and the disciples, a hostile world was not unexpected or unusual. For, for Jesus and his disciples, a, a hostile world was like Tuesday. A hostile world was normal. This was normal life uh, to be expected. And, and, and Jesus even identifies kind of what's behind that. At the beginning of chapter 13, there's the devil. He names the devil and the, the ruler of this world. And there he is. He's going to send Judas off to do it, uh, what's happening. And, and this world's hostile. And Jesus and the disciples just accept that. But they don't just accept it. But Jesus goes on and talks about the hostility of this world. And he tells the disciples... Yeah, this world, you know, I came into this, this world hates me. And by the way, if you follow me, it's going to hate you also. Um, and then he says, you know, some people in this world, they're going to actually, uh, they're going to beat you and stone you. And some of them are going to put you to death. And they're going to think they're doing good by that. And at the end of this, Jesus makes this long prayer to God. And he says, God, these are my followers. And the world hates them the way it hated me. And what you'd love Jesus to say at that point is, so God, rescue them from this world and make them safe. But what he says is, I don't pray that you'll take them out of the world. The world hates them, is going to abuse them, but I don't pray you remove them from it. Be with them in the midst of it, but we're leaving them here. And so that's, that's the reality. So Jesus and the, for Jesus and the disciples, being in a hostile world was normal, to be expected. And in fact, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's, it's a guarantee. And so Jesus says that. And then he says, though, to his disciples, well, so we're leaving you in this situation, so how, how do you have to be in it? And he says to them, so in chapter 15, he says, look, if you're, this is how to, to be in it. You've got to dwell in me. You have to remain in me. Abide in me. Without me, you can't do anything. I'm the vine and you're the branches and you have to abide in me and remain in me. 
And we think, okay, well, that's, that's something. Be in Jesus while the world's, you know, not for us. But he, but he also says to them, and, and as you're abiding in me, this is what you need to do. In fact, he doesn't say, this is what I suggest you do. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another. How do you be in a hostile world? Well, those of you who are in me, you need to behave in this way. You need to love one another. In fact, by being this way in me, by loving one another, that's how the whole world recognizes me. By loving one another, this is how the world sees something else. And he pushes it pretty hard because he says, if you're my disciple, you'll do what I command. If you're not, you're not my disciple. And what I command is this, that you love one another. It it wasn't given as an option. This is how we are recognized by one another and by Jesus as authentically his disciple, that we love one another. So I thought, okay, well, I can work with this. Now my existential crisis is averted because I have something. I think, okay, the world's hostile, but I need to abide in Jesus, and the answer to it is love. The, the world is hostile. And so I'm, I'm totally misusing this, but I asked my, my son, okay, isn't there like a cool, like uh, filmy word that you can use in a script when you're kind of summing up something? And he says, well, that's a log line. All right, so the log line for act one is that the world is a hostile place and navigate it with love. That's how we sum up act one. And so, so I've got my resolution here to my crisis, crisis averted, and so everybody lived happily ever after. And I thank you guys for coming. And we'll, except the problem is, the problem is that's only act one. And so act two's coming. And act two comes, and in act two, if you remember from our our diagram, act two is not when things get better, it's when things intensify and and get worse. So here we are, uh, we've we've come through 1 BC, and uh, and I've got a message, and and I've got resolution personally, and I was able to write a little article on, on this, so if you want the full message for that one, I'll, I'll put a link, I'll send a link so you guys can read that article, it will be fun for you perhaps. Um, and, and I was about to share this message, this message I felt to share at, uh, at another uh, leaders, pastors uh, uh, conference, a different one, different group, uh, and, and so this is, my, this is my word, I got something to say, we have some way to navigate this crazy world chaotic world. I got something to say. And so I'm, I'm speaking this at, I'm one of the speakers at a, at a pastor's conference, leaders conference. Now the date of that leaders conference, see if you remember, this date sounds familiar to you, was, was March uh, 13th through 15th, 2020. Anybody remember March 13th to 15th, 2020? I remember March 13th to 15, 2020. That was the weekend that the world shut down. So by the end of that conference, we'd lost about a quarter to a third of the uh, participants, including one of the speakers, because his daughter was a nurse, who said, get out of there, go home. And, uh, and thus we moved from BC into C. 
So here we were in C. And, and so for the next phase there, on top of all of the hostility, which didn't improve in the world, by the way, we had the George Floyd protests. Uh, after that, we had, we had the discovery of the, the graves. Uh, we, we've had a bit of social unrest in that period of time. Plus, we had something called COVID uh, also, which introduced, I don't, probably not in anywhere around here, but you know, there people have different opinions as to how to, how to respond to that. Uh, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, I am, I am aware that you're aware of that, but, but, but here we are. And so we're in this crisis mode. Um, person, so we're all in it. This is not special to me. Uh, we're all in this. Um, on top of that, uh, this is when we as a, a college decided we were actually relocating our entire campus to a brand new facility, which, you know, these things go that didn't necessarily, we were supposed to move in the summer, uh, that didn't happen, so we decided to move into Saskatchewan in January, which isn't much different from a Winkler January. So uh, that, was, that was also fun, and we had all, all of those kinds of things, uh, navigating that whole world, running a, running a, a college with uh, variable restrictions, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and in the midst of this, too, you know, we're seeing leaders get exhausted through this. And, and I got to just put a side note here, because I'm the guest, and I can come in and say this kind of thing. You need to be up, lifting up your leaders right now. Amen. You need to. I, I can't overstress this. We are, prior to COVID, we were already facing a leadership crisis. So if God is touching you on the shoulder, maybe he's calling you into leadership, please don't ignore that. We, we were facing a crisis before because the baby boomers are retiring uh, in greater numbers than anybody is stepping up to replace those roles. So that was already a crisis. Since COVID, we have seen a mass exodus of Christian leaders from leadership roles. This, this summer, I had two, two pastors of two of the largest churches in Saskatoon at, within a week of each other sitting uh, sitting with me, and the first said, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I need to talk to my board about getting into, uh, get, having a sabbatical or something, and within three weeks, instead of a sabbatical, he just resigned after 20 years, one of the largest churches. Uh, another one sat in my office and, and said, I just resigned from, from ministry, and, and they're not just leaving their church, they're leaving ministry. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm you know, he said, I was sitting there, you know, you're doing your study, and I'm reading a book. He says, looking out the window, and then I look over at the clock, and I realize I haven't read a word, and I've been staring out the window for three hours. Just exhausted. We are facing a, a crisis, so we, we need to uphold uh, our, our leaders. And at, at this time, too, I'm, I'm feeling exhausted, and I'm paying attention to this now, because I'm looking at these two people that I would have thought were pretty, you know, I wouldn't have predicted this, uh, this happening. And my, my uh, operations VP says, you know, you're exhausted. <laughs> you need to take a break. And uh, it's not the best time of year to take a break, but it was, uh, so in, in September, I took off two weeks and I went on a, a retreat and I just sought the Lord. And, and I'm on this retreat and I needed to do this. And in this, in this retreat, we're in this point of crisis and, and challenge. And again, the Lord spoke to me through a scripture. And so I'm praying, and I'm like, I'm feeling the presence of the Lord, and I kind of wander over. It was in the fall. Remember that fall we had? Oh, it was so nice. 
It was so nice. And I wandered out, it was a green grass, and I go over to this bench, and on the back of this bench is written this verse out of Exodus. And uh, Exodus says, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. And, and on, on the bench says this, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Be still. And I felt the Lord say, pause on this. Pause on this. Focus. I'm saying, okay, so something about be still. I thought, and I had been doing this sort of devotional book uh, religiously, as you do devotions religiously. Uh, I was doing this, working on this book, and I had done it at the same time every day, except for that day, for some reason I didn't. I thought, you know, I should go read this book. And so I, I go sit on this bench, and I pick, open up the book, and in the, the reading for that day was the verse that said, be still, for I, um, be still and know that I am God was the verse out of Psalm 46. So I had these two messages of be still. I said, okay, you got my attention. And th- since then, I have had multiple times this message, be still, be still, be still. And once again, I dig into this. What does this mean if I dig into this and, and look behind this? And you find out that, that often this is translated be still or be quiet, be silent, is often translated this way. But it, it translates multiple different Hebrew words. Uh, but the message is always the same. It's to stop striving, stop acting, and depend on God. So the message there is to be still. Our, our, our line here for Act 2 that I got was be still and depend on God. And I've been trying to live into that, which is hard for me because I'm not a good at being still. And so you know where that puts us? That puts us now into Act 3. Act three, resolution. This is where it all gets resolved. This is where all this stuff, we're like, man, when are we going back to normal? When am I going to be able to stop living this way? We get it resolved in this act. And I have a word for us. When is this all? Do you want to know when this is all going to resolve? Does anybody want to know when this is all going to resolve? I'll tell you what I have for you. You want to know? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know when it's going to resolve. But, but that's actually the right answer. I don't know is the right answer. So we're looking for the resolution to this immediate challenge. And if we step back a little bit, we'll see that we actually have, because you know God kind of gave us the story. This, the book he gave us actually follows the the three-part, uh, we have a beginning, we've got a middle, and we, and we have a resolution at the end. It's almost like God knew how the human brain worked. But anyway, so we have this nice story. Uh, and at the end of the story, we get a resolution, a revelation. We have an ultimate resolution. I saw a new heaven and a new, a new earth, it says. And, and, and all the stuff that's wrong and all the chaos, the world that the disciples and Jesus knew was normal and to be expected wasn't ultimately how it was supposed to be. It's not how it started, and it's not how it's supposed to end. And so we have this ultimate resolution. But what about the immediate? What about the resolution to the immediate problem? Well, Jesus actually addressed that himself. He's talking about the ultimate resolution of things. And he's saying, look, in the end, this stuff is all going to happen. And we think, okay, well, I want to know about the end. I want to know when it's going to resolve. But this is what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Keep watch. 
because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let the house be broken into. So also you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I don't know is the answer Jesus gave to when to expect everything to resolve. I don't know. And that's an important answer because what he's saying, the point is not to figure it out. The point is not to say, hey, this is when it's all going to resolve. If you can figure this out, you can pick the day and the hour. The point is that as you are waiting, you are being faithful. The whole point is, it doesn't matter when it's going to end because it doesn't change how you're supposed to be while you wait. The point is about us and our behavior. It doesn't matter when it ends. And that's a powerful thing. Whoa. That's a powerful thing because it means that we aren't just passive We aren't just passive participants in a story we can't control. We actually have an active part to play. We can't control if the world likes us or hates us. We can't control whether disease is here or not. What we can control is how we behave as we live in it. We can control whether or not we follow faithfully Jesus' command to love one another. And that's a powerful piece for us. And so as as we conclude today, I just want to pray for for you and I pray for Pastor Claude and for the leaders here. Because we're at an important time with an important opportunity. And as you map your own story onto what God is saying and doing, live faithfully and love one another. So Lord, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for its witness in this community. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as as they walk faithfully with you, that they would love one another and that that love would bear witness to you. Pray for Pastor Cloud. I pray for all the staff. I pray for all the leaders here, Lord, that you'd be an encouragement and give them encouragement and joy as they seek and serve you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.